Numbers chapter number 32 this morning. Numbers chapter number 32. Numbers chapter number 32. If I can take just a moment and recognize our visitors this morning, it's good to have uh, Ian and Kelly. They're not really visitors, but uh, it's nice to have them back. And uh, the, the baby, you have the baby with you? Good. Oh, in the nursery? Good, good. Tell the name again of your son. Weston. Weston. And so it's exciting to have a baby and growing a family. And so anyway, nice to see the two of them. Anybody else on my right-hand side this morning you're visiting? On left-hand side this morning? Anybody your first time here this morning? You know, you, re- you introduced yourself to me earlier. Tell me your name again. Anna. Anna. All right, it's A-N-N-A. All right, Anna's from Topeka. Again, thank you so much for coming this morning. Anybody else this morning? All right, well, we're glad that you all are with us this morning. Um, we are going through the Pentateuch. It's just kind of a reminder. Uh, we're doing an overview of the first five books. Genesis through Deuteronomy means five-volume, uh, Pentateuch means five-volume book or five-volume five uh, set there. And we're looking at um, just some key um, stories in these first five books. So this morning, I want to look at this lesson. I called it the border choice. And again, it's the story of uh, Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. So let's look at, Deuteron- num- I'm sorry, Numbers 32. Look at verse number one with me. Numbers 32, verse number one. The Bible says this, Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of cattle. And when they saw the land of Jazer, the land of Gilead, that behold, the place was a place for cattle. The children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spake unto Moses and to Eleazar the priest and unto the princes of the congregation, saying, Adaroth, Dibon, and Jazer, and Nimrah, and Heshbon, and Elilah, and Shebam, and Nebo, and beyond, even the country which the Lord smote before the congregation of Israel is a land for cattle, and thy servants have cattle. Wherefore said they, if we have found grace in thy sight, let this land be given unto thy servants for a possession, and bring us not over Jordan. And that question about they were asking is to not go over Jordan, was to not go into the promised land. And that's why we call it the border choice. They made a choice to stay on this side of Jordan, which was the east side, instead of crossing the Jordan, going to the west side. Let's go ahead and pray and look at, the, look at these scriptures together. Father, thank you again for the Bible. I ask you to please now use it in our hearts and lives. Give us the wisdom as far as what you once said. Speak to each person that's here this morning. Father, if there's someone lost, help them to be saved. Help all the teachers in the various classrooms this morning as they teach your word also. Give them the power of the Holy Spirit and the words to say for the young people. Thank you again for these that have come this morning. Would you bless them for being here? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Church family, this is an interesting story to me because it's really a picture of our Christianity that all of us have to make a choice whether we're going to be in God's perfect will or God's permissive will. There's a lot of stories that represent that, and even in recent days we've talked about that. But God led the children of Israel out of Egypt. We understand that what took place is when they left Egypt, uh, they went through the wilderness, I'm sorry, they came through the wilderness. They get to Kadesh Barnea, which is the border of going into the promised land. When they get there, they send 12 spies in. Those 12 spies come back and say, we can't do it. There's giants in the land. God says, that's fine. Then what's going to happen? Those 20 and up will never go into the promised land. Those 19 and younger uh, will have to wander for 40 years in the wilderness. They wander for 40 years uh, in the wilderness. uh, And then they're getting back now to the Jordan River where they're about to cross over into the promised land with this new generation. Uh, Before they cross over the Jordan River, they had a couple major battles. Og, king of Bashan, Sihon, king of the Amorites. Those two major battles took place, and of course they were large, it was a large piece of property, large land before going into the promised land. So in their mind, Reuben and Gad, they thought to themselves, hey, listen, this land's just fine for us. Now listen to me this morning. So, so many parallels for the Christian life. We can be so comfortable that we really miss out on the best that God has for our life, all right? You don't want just good, you want best. All right, you don't want just permissive, you want perfect. 
And so when it comes to the Christian life, we need to be careful that we don't just settle for whatever we have. We need to settle for what God wants for our lives. All right. Yeah. So what we have in this picture here is Reuben and Gad get to the promised land or to the border of the promised land. And instead of going over to do what God, now think for a moment here, all the way back to Genesis chapter number 12, God promised Abraham not only a seed, but a land. He said, listen, I'm going to multiply your seed as the stars of heaven. And then he also promised Abraham, I'm going to give you a land. And where, where he was, he said, look to the east, north, and south. He said, this is the land that I'm going to give to your promised seed. And again, I want to remind us that the land of Israel still belongs to the children of Israel. It still belongs to the Jews, okay? This thing of the, you know, the Palestinian conflict and this thing of, you know, um, the Jews need to give back Jerusalem to the Palestinians, that is so false. All they got to do is read their Bible, Alrighty, the Bible gave the dimensions and gave the gave the, the cities and from the River Euphrates on over to the Mediterranean. God specifically spells out what the land of Israel is and what belongs to them. So God told the children of Israel, "This is what I promised you." Now, what's the picture this morning? The picture is what has God promised us? What is God's will for us? When God led the children of Israel out of Egypt, He didn't lead them haphazardly and say, "Okay, let's stop here." There was a plan. There was a place that God had for the children of Israel. And can I tell you that in your Christian life, he's got a plan for you, a plan for your children, a plan for your grandchildren. And we want to make sure that we reach what God wants for us. How many is saved this morning? Say amen. amen. Aren't, you, aren't you glad you're saved? Nothing but the blood we sang a moment ago. We know for sure we're on our way to heaven because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And so because I'm saved, I know what my end result is. I'm going to go to heaven. I understand that he's going to come back and set his kingdom up here, and I understand that I will forever be with God. What a wonderful plan. But can I tell you, in this plan that God, in, in the place that God has us right now, God has a plan for your life. And you, you ought to want to be in the plan, all right? Not just a permissive, but a perfect. Now, let's look at just a couple thoughts this morning uh, with this. I want to read a little bit more of the story this morning. Look at verse number six. Moses is not happy with what they are requesting. And Moses said unto the children of Israel, I'm sorry, forgive me. It said in the children of Gad and the children of Reuben, shall your brethren go to war and shall you sit here? So he first of all says, hey, listen, you, you don't expect them to go fight for the rest of their land after we've already fought for yours and you get to sit here. That's not going to happen. Then Moses says in verse number seven, and wherefore discourage ye the hearts of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord hath given them. So in other words, by you not going, you're going to discourage them. Hey, by the way, there's a simple truth or principle, I think, that is important for us to see here. And that's when, that, you know, when we think to ourselves, well, it won't matter if I'm not there when it comes to a church service, or it won't matter if I don't go when it comes to soul winning. Trisha, I mean, can I just tell you, there's an encouragement by numbers. Right? Now, somebody asked me the day how many people we have come to church here, and I don't dwell on the numbers of our church, okay? Now, some people fault me for that, and that's fine. Brother Mize, he, he gets the count for me. He puts it in the file for me. So I know exactly how many people's coming. But I don't look at the numbers. I don't get up Monday and get discouraged because we had 10 less than we had last week. Or, and I don't get excited because we had 10 more than the week before. But can I tell you something? There's something about your presence that gives encouragement. All righty? And so that's what he's telling them. He says, listen, you're going to discourage the hearts of the children of Israel if you don't go with them. All right? Look what he says next in verse number 8. He says, thus did your fathers when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. 
For when they went up in, uh, into, into the valley of Eshcol and saw the land, they discouraged the heart of the children of Israel. So what's he talking about when he says their fathers? He's talking about the generation of 20 and up. When the spies went in, they came back and says, we can't do it. They discouraged the hearts of the people. So can I just tell you, Moses is not very happy with them. How many of you have got children? Raise your hand if you've got children. Have you ever let your children do some things, but they really knew you didn't want them to do them? I mean, it's happened to me. It's happened to my kids frequently, all righty? Um, <laughs> here recently, one of my kids wanted to go do something, and uh, I said, you can go, but I wouldn't. <laughs> they don't like it when I do that. You can go, but I wouldn't do that, all right? Now, can I tell you, sometimes God does that with us. You can go. I wouldn't do that. And that's what happened to the children of Israel. Moses gave the disapproval. All they had to know was, hey, the man of God doesn't think we should do this. But that's not what they did. They keep going their direction. Uh, look at verse number 16. And they came near unto him and said, we will build sheepfolds here for the cattle, the cities of our, uh, and cities for our little ones. Verse number 17, but we ourselves will go ready armed before the children of Israel until we have brought them into their place and our little ones shall dwell in the fenced cities because of the inhabitants of the land. Now, church family, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna probably read some more of this, but I want you to think about the story this morning. I think you've got it in your head uh, this morning. If I can recap real quickly here, the children of Israel leave Egypt, they get over to Kadesh Barnea, they send 12 spies in, they come back, they discourage the people, they go back into the wilderness, they wander for 40 years, they leave the wilderness, they go back, not to Kadesh Barnea, but they come around, I'm, I'm thinking of a map in my mind, I should have gave one, I guess, but they, they come around to the west side, and you have the Jordan River, which is really the line on the west side to be able to go into the promised land. And uh, this is the area before crossing the Jordan River that Reuben and Gad said, hey, listen, we just want to stay here. Hey, church family, you ought not want to just stay where you're at. You ought to want to go forward, all right? Now, I know it's more than just in the story here. There's so many principles. It's, not, it's more than just being in God's perfect will. It's a matter of taking the steps that God wants you to take, all right? And sometimes those steps are unknown. We walk by faith, not by sight. Uh, sometimes those steps are uncomfortable, Alrighty. In other words, we don't really like those kind of steps. Now, I want to go through the principles that are in your lesson this morning that really picture the story of Reuben and Gab. Of course, it ends up being the half-tribe Manasseh. All right. Let's look at the first one. I've already alluded to it already. There's a when it comes to these, this, I want to just point out God's will in this whole thing, okay? Hey, would you agree with me this morning that God has a perfect will for your life, yes or no? Yes. All right. Does, does God know who you are? Yes. I would think if he knows how many hairs upon your head, he knows exactly who you are. All right. So God's got a plan for your life. He's got a perfect will for your life. How many thinks that God has a perfect will from the time I, I mean, I'll, I'll just say from the time I got saved, obviously before you were saved, you weren't his child. But how many say, man, from the time I got saved to the time I died, God's got a perfect will for my life. Hey, I know he does. I know he does. Okay. So even in our latter years of life, God has a will for me. All right. I'm still his child. All right. So quickly, let's run through these. First of all, God's will can either be perfect or permissive. God's will can either be perfect or permissive. Now, the first point, I don't need to stay here very long because you've got the story in your head now. Was it, was it God's perfect will for Gad and Manasseh to go into the promised land, yes or no? Yes. Okay, it was God's perfect will. According to the scriptures, Moses gives permission, though. Look at verse number 20. And Moses said unto them, if, verse 20, if you will do this thing, all right, what thing? Number one, if you will go armed before the Lord to war. In other words, if you go, number two, verse 21, and will go all of you. 
All right, all of you armed in, uh, over Jordan before the Lord. And then number three, until he had driven out his enemies from before him. So here, here Moses says, okay, you can do what you want to do, but here's, your stipula here's the stipulations. Number one, you got to go. Number two, all of you have to go. Number three, you have to stay there until you win. All right, so basically Moses says, that's fine. You can do God's permissive will, uh, but it was still not God's perfect will for our life. I think a lot of times that's exactly what we do, all righty? Just remember, the reason they wanted to stay was because of cattle. That was the only reason, all right? And I think it comes to our next point. Let me just, let me read it with you on the second one. Is God's will should not be decided by money or possessions. God's will should not be decided by money or possessions, okay? Hey, think about it here. The Reuben, children of Reuben, children of Agad were picking that side of the promised land because of what they thought was good for them. Church family, God's will is not dependent on what you think is good for you. God's will is dependent upon what God's will is for your life. Amen. So in other words, it's a matter of who are, who are we going to please? Am I going to please God or am I going to please myself? Now, we can say to all, all, boy, this is just in my best interest. I want to tell you what's in your best interest is to be in God's perfect will for your life. A person takes a job and they take the job because I'm making 10 more dollars an hour. But they, what they don't realize is that job with 10 more dollars an hour takes them out of church. Or that job with $10 more an hour puts them around the wrong, around the wrong kind of people. So can I just tell you that the benefit of having cattle and having a place to put my cattle is not the reason they should have stayed on the east side of Jordan. Hey, God can provide more cattle. God can provide a place for the cattle. Amen. He made the cattle. Okay, so it's the same way in our life. We cannot make a decision based upon how much money is this going to save me or how am I going to benefit from it because oftentimes we make the wrong decision because we're looking at our benefit instead of looking at God's will for our lives. So they made a bad decision because they made the decision based upon money or possession. And I want to tell you, that's a weakness, not just of Christianity, but of mankind. I mean, look at what's going on in our nation right now. We're giving away money that, that we don't even have. Anybody can print paper. So mankind, their idea is more, give me more, give me more. Our elections are based on who's going to give you the most money. And what's happened is that has filtered into Christianity in the same idea of is what am I going to get out of it? How does that benefit me? Can I just tell you, God's will is not always about how you think you're going to be benefited. Now, by the way, God's will always benefits you. Amen. God's perfect will always does. All right. So God's will, what we have is God's will can be perfect or permissive. Second of all, we have God's will should not be decided by money or possessions. And Jesus said himself in Matthew 6, verse 24, no man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. All right, so it's not a matter of money. And listen, you would be better off to take less money and be in God's perfect will than to have more money and be in his permissive will. All right, next of all, number three, I think this is a good thought. God's will can protect us from the enemy. Now, I want to explain what I mean by that. Church, uh, would you turn over to 2 Kings? Because really the description of this is later on. 2 Kings chapter number 10. 2 Kings 10. I want to read this verse with you. I find it interesting that the first ones that went into captivity was Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. If you look at 2 Kings 10, verse number 32, it says, In those days the Lord began to cut Israel short, and Hazael smote them in all the coast of Israel. From Jordan, which way? The church of me, I don't know if you caught it or not, 
but the children of Reuben and Gad were asking to be on the east side of Jordan. All right, so what it says there, from Jordan eastward, all the land of Gilead, the who? Gadites, and the who? Reubenites, and who else? The Manassites, from Aror, which is by the river Arnon, even Gilead and Bashan. Now, again, what, the, what we have here is the children of Gad, Reuben, and the half-tribe Manasseh, they're the first ones that went into captivity. And actually, long before these other ones, the, of course, the ten tribes are going to go into captivity under Syria. Two tribes are eventually going to go into captivity in, in Babylon. But can I just tell you, the first ones that went into captivity were the ones that were not with everybody else. The ones that were not in the promised land. So can I tell you, God's will is the safest place to be. It's the safest place to be. I was telling the story in chapel the other day. I'm pretty sure it was chapel I was talking to the kids um, about the person who was called into missions and decided that it would be better to raise their children in the States. Did I tell that story here? Was that in chapel? I think it was chapel, if I remember correctly. So anyway, this story is told about this um, young couple. They had two boys, and they uh, didn't want to raise their boys on the mission field, so they decided to raise them here in the States. And uh, they stayed here, and they bought themselves a piece of property, and they had a house that they were as a fixer-upper. And um, the fella uh, needed to pull some wires of some sort, and so he sent his son underneath the house to be able to pull the wires through for him because he couldn't get under the house himself. But when the boy got underneath the house, there was a, there was a den of rattlesnakes there, and the snakes were just bit the kid up alive. And the father reached in there, grabbed him by the leg, and pulled him out. He got into the car to rush him to the hospital after all those bites, and he ran oh, backed up over, ran over the other son. They took both sons to the hospital, but by the time they got to the hospital, both of them died. Now, I know that's a drastic story as far as what took place for that couple's life, but I want to tell you something. The safest place to be is in the center of God's will. Amen. And it doesn't matter if you're in Africa. If you're in God's will, it's the safest place because God, man cannot do anything to you except what God allows. Amen. Nothing. We know that from the story of Job. So when it comes to God's will for our life, yes, it's not about money. And it's not even about what I think is the best place. It's a matter of what does God want for my life? All right, so again, we go back to this idea that protection comes from being in the center of God's will. Your adversary is the devil, but you know what? Even the devil has to ask permission. <laughs> so aren't you glad that you've got a God in heaven, that he's your strong tower, he's your protection, he's your shield, he's your buckler. All right, so again, being in the center of God's will protects us from the enemy. Next thing I want you to see on your lesson there is God's will cannot be substituted by doing good things. All right, now, just remember, look at your Bible again in Numbers chapter 32. In Numbers 32, I'm going to pick it up in verse number 25. It says, And the children of Gad and the children of Reuben spake unto Moses, saying, Thy servants will do as my Lord commandeth. Our little ones, our wives, our flocks, and all our cattle shall be there in the cities of Gilead. But thy servants will pass over, every man armed for war before the Lord to battle, as my Lord saith. Now, can I tell you, here's what they were saying. Hey, as long as we don't have to go into the promised land and we can do our own thing, we'll even help you. We'll go in and fight, and we're talking, I think it was 40-some thousand um, Reuben, Gad, and Heftar, and there was, I think it was 40,000 plus, that they all went over and they helped fight. And by the way, they finished what they promised. When you read the rest of the story, they fulfilled their commitment. Now, can I tell you, there are some Christians that think that they can do good things and still not be in the will of God, and it's going to be okay. It's almost like, you know, I don't have to feel so bad about doing my own thing because I'm, I'm half-heartedly doing God's thing. All right? It's almost like a person saying, hey, listen, uh, I don't want to go tell anybody about Jesus Christ, but I don't mind giving the missions so somebody else will. Hey, I'm all for giving the missions. 
I think, I think you ought to give to missions. I'd give your tithe and offering first, but I think you should give to missions. But can I tell you something? Missions does not uh, take the fact away that we're all supposed to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Are, are you only, the, I mean, I'm just telling you that the children of Reuben, children of Gad thought to themselves, okay, we're not going into the promised land, but we'll help you get in there. In other words, we're going to do good and in their, in their minds do right in order for them to do wrong. All right. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And this morning, I'm not trying to convince you stop doing right if you're doing wrong. What I'm trying to say is be in the center of God's will. Be in God's perfect will for your life. And, you, and, and, and not use things, you know, doing good things. Try not to use things to say, okay, I'm doing this, so it's okay. You know what that's called? It's called justification. I'm trying to justify why I'm not in the center of God's will. All right? Well, I go to church. I give my tithe and offering. You know? I, I, yes, those things are good. And yes, those things are right. And yes, they fulfilled their commitment. Okay? But it still was not where they should have been. They should have been in the promised land where God wanted them. All right. So again, God's will cannot be substituted uh, by doing good things. All right. There's one more I want you to look at this morning about concerning God's will. And uh, it's a little, this is kind of interesting to me. I, I don't know if you've seen this before, maybe you have. But in, I'm going to back up a little bit. In chapter 32, look at verse number one, just the first phrase. Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad, I just, that's all I want you to notice. Look around verse number two. It says the children of Gad and the children of Reuben, verse number six and Moses said unto the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, verse number 25, uh, it says, uh, and the children of Gad and the children of Reuben, verse number 29, it says, and Moses said unto them, if the children of Gad and the children of Reuben, verse 31, and the children of Gad and the children of Reuben answered. Now, this is kind of interesting. Look at verse 33, though. And Moses gave unto them, even to the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben and unto the half-tribe of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, the kingdom of Sihon, king of the Amorites, and the kingdom of Og, king of Bashan, the land which, with the cities thereof, and the coast, even the cities of the countries round about. Now, most of you have seen this before, but church family, it wasn't to the very end that Manasseh even shows up in this thing. And it's not even the whole tribe, it's half the tribe of Manasseh, all right? So Reuben and Gad, if you we, if we read the whole chapter, you'd find out Reuben and Gad, they come to Moses, they come to Eleazar the priest, and they come to the princes of the congregation and said, hey, we would rather have our inheritance on the other side, on this side, Jordan, if that's okay with you. And they go through this entire process. And then when it comes down to it, you, you find that the half-tribe of Manasseh is with them. Now, to me, here's the thought that, that, or the principle of what took place here is they convinced somebody else to stay on that side of Jordan. Now, I know it does not say they went and talked to the half-tribe of Manasseh, but the half-tribe of Manasseh is not mentioned to the very end of this thing. So again, it goes back to those out of God's will want you to be there too. You've thought about that? Those out of God's will want you to be, be there too. Church family, Gad and Reuben was their brothers. They were related, all right? So when the, the half-tribe of Manasseh, they said, well, listen, if they're going to be over there, we might as well be over there too. I wouldn't do that if I were you. I wouldn't do that if I were you. Hey, listen, you need to make sure that you stay in the center of God's will. And if somebody else wants to get out of God's will, you shouldn't follow them, all right? Well, you know, they're Christians, okay? Hey, listen, God's more important than your physical brother or your spiritual brother, all right? God's supposed to be most important in your life. So what God wants for your life is what you're supposed to do, all right? So if everybody leaves, guess what? You stay in the center of God's will. Amen. Stay in the center of God's will. And so the Reubenites followed. We, we quote verses like Proverbs 110. My son, if sinners entice thee, what? 
But then when it happens to us, well, it's not really like that. Isn't it interesting, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, when Paul's talking about church discipline, the, the illustration he uses is this. A little leaven. leaven the whole exactly. Hey, You've got to be careful who you rub shoulders with because the people you rub shoulders with are going to get you dirty if they're not clean. You've you got to make sure that you don't allow the pull there. The biggest pull you're going to have is going to be with family. All right? If you've got a mother, fa mother, um, father, mother, brother, sister, usually family is the biggest pull. And that's really the hardest pull for, for a Christian because you love them. But you have to remember, your greatest love is not for them. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind is the first and great commandment. You've got to put God first place in your life. Now, I don't know how you are, but every day of your life, you should pray that you're in God's will. Where do you get that from? All right? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Every day of your life. Every day of your, li every day of your life. God, I want to be in your will for my life. Hey, I, I, and I think you do too, but I believe. I believe God's, God has a will as far as what he wants for you to get from the service today. God has a will what he wants you to eat for lunch today. God has a will what he wants you to do for this, this afternoon. God has a will what he wants to give you tonight in the evening service. God has a will what, you want, what he wants you to eat for supper. I mean, I just believe, I, I'll go even a step farther. I believe God's got a will when it comes to taking, uh, if there's more than one way to get home, that there's a particular will as far as which path I'm supposed to take. I know that's the craziest thing in the world. My kids get in a car with me. And uh, from where we live to get to the interstate, uh, it's identically the same amount of space. So if you come out of our court and go right, or if you come out of our court and go left, it's the same amount of distance as far as getting to the interstate, which we go frequently to the interstate. And, uh, but I believe that God has a particular way to get to the interstate. I believe that. Hey, can I just tell you that uh, God's got a will for your life. You don't want to miss it. And the things that are going to cause you to miss it, if you're not careful, careful are people, the Reubenites and Gadites. It's going to be possessions when we've got cattle. But I want to tell you something. People and possessions is not what you're living for. God's what you're living for. And by the way, the promised land, God had a purpose for them being in, it, being in that land. You know what God said about the land of Israel? He said, listen to this, he said his eye is always on it, even today. You know, you know God said about Israel, it was a land that flowed with milk and honey. You know, God told them, listen, this is the land that I have for you. Hey, God's got a perfect will for you, for your, your, your spouse, for your children. You don't want to miss God's will for your life. Hey, can you, are you still going to live? Well, you're, you're here. <laughs> yeah, everything, you know, does everything seemingly go well? Are you going to still have blessings in your life? When you follow biblical principles, you still get blessings. But are you going to miss out on the what was best for your life? Yeah, I think that can happen. There's no doubt. You know, I know we can't see it all until we get to heaven. We have our perfect body. We'll be able to look back at life and see, oh, that was dumb. I shouldn't have done that. That was a bad decision. No wonder I ended up there. You know, there's little decisions in my life that I can see now, but I could not see. I, I'm sure there's tons of them that I can't see when we get to heaven. We'll know. But, you know, as far as marrying my wife, you know, my wife was the perfect match for me. Right. Now, we don't have a perfect marriage, but we, she's the perfect match for me. And you think about, I don't know if you, uh, if you ever, there are you know, other relationships as far as knowing other people and thinking, man, I could have married that girl. My, my kids will be in the car sometimes, my wife and I. We don't talk about it very often, but every once in a blue moon it will come up, you know, who my wife maybe dated at college or who I might have dated. And I told her, I said, you could have done a whole lot better. And she agrees, unfortunately. But I'm going to tell you something, I could have got a whole lot worse. 
I'm so thankful. Because what you look back, as far as being in God's perfect will, taking you to the next step. You know, I don't, you don't probably notice these things, or maybe you don't think it's very amazing, but for me, um, I went to Fairhaven Baptist College where I met her, but I didn't finish at Fairhaven Baptist College. It wasn't God's will for me to finish there. So I went to Fairhaven Baptist College, met my wife, and then I left, and then I came back, still married her. I came back to see her and then married her. But I went to Howells Anderson. This church, the previous pastor, he's in heaven now. The previous pastor was a Howells Anderson grad. And back then, Howells Anderson and, and Fairhaven Colleges did not get along, all right? They didn't get along. I mean, it's kind of like KU and K-State, all right? It was just, they, they, were, they weren't going the same direction, all right? So it was a good thing I went to Howells Anderson and graduated from there because this church would have never had a Fairhaven graduate, ever. Wouldn't have happened. And those little decisions in life of being God's perfect will takes you to the next step as far as where God wants you. The next week, we're permitted, we're going to have a lesson on Israel in transit. It's amazing all the places God took Israel before he got into the promised land. And you're going to be amazed all the places God's going to take you to get you to that one place that God wants for you, your wife, your children, your family. And so you want to be in God's perfect will. Listen, when you're making major decisions of life, you ought to make sure you get counsel on them. You ought not to. You know, even to this day, when there's questions that, that come up in the church, I'm going to talk to the deacons. In some cases, I'm going to talk to the teachers. Sometimes I'm going to talk to the staff. You know, be careful about making major decisions in your life, especially ones that you're a little bit doubtful on. You know, you ought to, you ought to get counsel. Why? Because I don't want to miss God's perfect will for my life. Why? Because that's where the blessing is. God has a perfect will for your life. Don't miss it. Let's pray together.